This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Good morning to all of you and Happy New Year to all of you who are watching online. Wave at me. <laughs> Good to see you. Good you're taking time out to look into God's Word, worship a bit today. And I even thank the Lord for the snow. Amen. Just not enough of it. I've never had it snow, but what I wanted it to snow a little bit more. Isn't that awful? It must be a kid thing. Never grew up. Well, it's good to be sharing with you today. And of course, we're going to Exodus chapter 14, as Rachel alluded to, and the setting for the message is the crossing of uh, the children of Israel out of, out of their slavery, out of their bondage, into uh, a new future. They were on the cusp of a new beginning. What a tumultuous number of years, really hundreds, they had experienced. Now, God was leading them into a new day, transition time. But they were nervous, more than nervous. They were apprehensive. They were probably just really quite fearful. And you may wonder why I would choose this text for the message here today. Well, whether you know it or not, we're in transition time. The second day of January, the past has uh, the past has been a little ugly. The past year or two or three have not been all that pleasant, with the pandemic and other uncertainties that have hit us. Here we too are on the cusp of a new beginning, a new day, a new dawning. And that should fill us with excitement and anticipation. But, um, human nature being what it is, <laughs> we, we would rather deal with the devil we know than the devil we don't know. And even though sometimes our circumstance is not all that pleasant, at least we know what this is. It's the unknown. And uh, so let me just pause here a bit and read the setting for the message today found in Exodus chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, 
and his horsemen. That, we just will read that much for right now. Ah, oh boy, I can identify with him a little bit. I don't know that they could identify with us at all as they face this unknown future. Uh, they're experiencing their own January. It's a brand new beginning. By the way, let me just give you this aside. You know where we get the moniker January for this first month of the year? You, most of you know by now. It was the Roman god Janus. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. J-A-N-U-S. And the characteristic of Janus was that he had two faces. One face forward and the other face backward. He had the ability, so they thought, to see both the future and the past at the same time. Well, Israel on this occasion could see what was behind them a whole lot clearer than they could see what was ahead of them. And we're in that same situation. And they were, quite frankly, particularly as they looked up and saw Pharaoh's army heading their direction, were downright scared. It was then they began to say some foolish things that some of us have been guilty of saying in one way or another. Let's this cover what they said in their moment of fear. Exodus 14, verse 11. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Can you believe this escaping them? Can you believe them saying this after what God has just done for them? Poor Moses, poor Moses. As any leader or military man might do at this time, he, he begins to assess where they are, and what risks they might face in the future. On this occasion, thank God, he had one far infinitely greater than himself to, to uh, consult with. And he and God do what I might call draw together a fact sheet, assessing where we are, what the risks are going forward. And uh, so eventually God speaks through Moses to the people. And in verses 13 and 14, Moses answers the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. I love this part. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. <laughs> the Lord will fight for you you need only to be still. The hardest thing there is for a human to do is to just be still and wait on the Lord. With this all as a background, and uh, 
gleaning various lessons from these people in this situation. I think uh, if we were to be in that little group of God and Moses and we're listening and we're eavesdropping, I think the first observation you might get is this. They had what I call a good fact sheet. What I mean by that is that God had been working for them, not just recently, but God had been doing amazing things for literally centuries to get them to this point. I mean, I don't wish to bore you with a history lesson, biblical history lesson, because probably all of you know the the, the, the ins and the outs and the overarching story. But from that moment when God said to a man by the name of Abram, as he was known then, who lived in Ur of the Chaldees, which incidentally was a totally pagan culture and society. Abram, get out of here. Leave your family, leave your culture, leave your possessions and go to a country I will show you. God is already setting the stage for the Israelites. Do you understand that? That's hundreds of years prior to our lesson today. The amazing thing is that Abram goes out not knowing whether he went. <laughs> that is an act of faith. Step by step, wherever you take me, Lord... And by a circuitous route, he takes them into what we know as the promised land. Though at that time, uh, occupied by the Canaanites. And we're skipping volumes of history here as God protects Abraham in that foreign environment. And uh, in a hundred different ways, he spares him. Abram could have been wiped out by half a dozen incidents that I could mention. But God protected them. And uh, he saw what his plan was long term. Stay with me. Even God's ability to see that an awful famine is going to overtake this part of the world. And very few people are going to survive it. And so God, never caught off guard in a very tortured story that we know is the story of Joseph, has Joseph taken in chains all the way to Egypt <laughs> with fits and starts and uh, promising situations developing only to fall back into very adverse circumstances. God is getting ready, this man ready by the name of Joseph, for a vital project. And after numbers of months, maybe a couple of years, he brings him forth to make him the second in command to Pharaoh himself. What for? in order that God might save Abraham and all of his family. And Joseph says, come on down to Egypt. 
we have plenty of food here. And when they come, he not only provides for them, but listen, he gives them the best part of the country. He gives them Goshen. Well, unfortunately, as you know, the story develops. A Pharaoh comes to the throne who forgets all about Joseph, doesn't know who he is, and over a period of time, the Israelites become slaves. Maybe they built the pyramids. I don't know, Joe, you think they did. They at least were involved in a lot of building projects. And for hundreds of years, they felt the lash of the whip. But God hadn't forgotten them. And the scriptures tell us that eventually God hears the cry of their heart. So God, never being caught off guard, gets ready and though Pharaoh said, kill all the little boy babies, there comes a point. It's an amazing story when Pharaoh's daughter goes out for a skinny dip, you know, or something. And she parts the bulrushes. And she sees this little, I think God pinched Moses. Ah! And she takes him in like one would take in a kitten or a puppy dog. Oh, isn't he cute? But God's purposes are beyond anything we can imagine. And Joseph, or that is, Moses was brought up in all the training of the Egyptians. All of their military strategy, all their science. What is happening here? God is preparing a man for military leadership. He's going to have to understand how to lead people, and God does it at the expense of the Egyptians. He makes the devil pay the bill. Isn't that incredible? But there comes a point in time when Moses says, uh-uh. I'm not an Egyptian. I'm an Israelite. And you know that set of circumstances without going into detail. And he's banished from the country and languishes there for some 40 years. And I don't doubt but what Moses said. God doesn't have a plan for me. I thought he did. I thought he was going to use me. But these 40 years on the backside of the desert, and then there came that moment, that magical moment, that shoe-removing moment, that burning bush moment, when God meets with Moses. And you know what else happens? God prepares him spiritually. He's not only going to have to have an understanding of leadership and military strategy, God gets him ready in his heart for the leadership. Oh, I'm leaving out too much. But I, but I can't help it. We'd be here all day. We may be here half the day as it is. But then God begins to move in other ways. God begins to send plagues. <laughs> Fleas. Gnats. Flies. I hate them. Frogs. My wife hates them. And all the other... They grow in intensity. But amazingly, 
Israel living over there in Goshen spared. That's something. Isn't it obvious that God is on their side? Isn't it obvious that God is working for them? Until there comes that momentous occasion when Pharaoh says, I'm not! Get out of here! Then something else happens. These people are preparing to leave and they begin to go to their neighbors and they say, I need some jewelry for the trip. To another, I need a gold bar. How about some of your silver? Could I I borrow that? (laughs) And God moves so on the hearts of the Egyptians that they do it. Stupid. But God is in this. And you say, wow, this doesn't seem quite right to me. Boy, they, they kind of stole from the Egyptians. Remember, they had worked for nothing for 400 years or better. And God says, it's time to balance up the scales. And besides that, he's going to need gold and precious stones and silver to build his tabernacle and all the instruments. And God says, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just getting it ahead of time. Crowd, God works in mysterious and marvelous ways. But he's walking. He's not idle. They thought he'd forgotten them, but he had heard their cry. And he's got a man ready now. And he's equipping them and providing for them. And out of there they march, and all is going well until they get to the Red Sea. And there it stands as a barrier in front of them, an Egyptian army fast approaching from the rear, and they freak out. And it is obvious, however, that they have a good fact sheet to this point. And, and I, I think I probably ought to just pause here and give a... I'm an old guy. That's dawning on me more every day. God has given this church a good fact sheet. Hear me? God has given you personally a good fact sheet. I'm thinking about this church. Pastor Joe, I'm a, I go a little bit back to the mid-70s. That's a, I know God's interaction with this church predates that. I don't have any knowledge of that. But I, I do remember. I do remember some things. There's a few here. Randy, you remember a little sway back church? That's literally true. <laughs> the ridge line was swayed on that thing. Kill me every time I saw it. A little church that occupied probably two, two lots over on Ohio Street. Anybody know where that is? Where that was? Yeah, some of you do. Man, it, it was something. And I remember God moving on the hearts of those saints to dream for something else, something bigger, something better. 
Oh, we didn't know how in the world it was going to be. Back in those days, we didn't have all this, this technology. I had a whiteboard, honey. And I thought I was at the top of my game. And I began to draw pictures and, and project uh, payments and what it would cost, projections of building costs. Who? not everybody was happy. Not everybody. But the majority were. I remember my treasurer, bless her sweet memory. She was the sweetest, humblest. She came to me and she said, Oh, oh, Brother Beckham, there, there's no way. We, why, you're telling us that we'll have a payment of some $700 a month? Why? Two years ago, we had to put a new furnace in the church, and we had to pay $200 a month. We like to never made that. We can't do it. And I smiled at her, and I said, Clarissa, can I tell you something, honey? At the end of next year, we're not only going to be way ahead on our payments, but we're going to double our home missions giving, and we're going to double our foreign missions giving. Oh, she said, oh, Brother Beckham, I wish I could believe that. I said, well, believe it. It's going to happen. Man, I love it when I can say, I told you so, I told you so. At the end of the coming year, we were months ahead of our payment, and we doubled our home missions giving, and we doubled our foreign missions giving. And, and enjoying, a, a, a to us, it was a luxurious church. You know it as the fellowship hall, but whoa. Back in the day when Park Street wasn't even a street. It ended at Hospital Road. This was a field, honey. No sewers, no water line, no nothing. But God had a plan. He saw that plan, plan come to a reality. And then he recruited a man by the name of Ken Smith. Some of you know Brother Kenny. He attends and sat right up there in the third row uh, on, at first service. And God brought him here, and for 16 years, he gave marvelous leadership to this church. And at some point, I don't know exactly when it did happen, but God put it in his heart to, to, to start a Christian school that we call Eldo Christian. What a blessing it has been to the community and those beautiful buildings up the way there. I get turned around in here still, Pastor Joe. Oh, and then, and then, i got to hurry on because I get long-winded. God went all the way to Bolivia. All the way to Bolivia. To recruit a missionary pastor. <laughs> His name is Joe Trussell. You know him? Pretty good guy. And brought him here to take the church to a new level. I don't know when it's got in your heart, Pastor Joe, to build a beautiful sanctuary. But with you and God's help, Paul Miller. <laughs> wow. It's so amazing to me how the architects just 
incorporated this new thing into the old until it's just seamless. It's beautiful, even though I get lost still. And then to build that new fellowship hall back there, and that it just all a unit. And how long it took such a little time to pay for it all. Why are you going through all this, Beckham? To tell you, honey, that we have a good fact sheet. God has been working for us. Not to mention the revivals that he sent along the way that swept numbers of you into the kingdom. And you will never forget that. I have a good fact sheet. You have a good fact sheet. God has been working even in those times when it seemed like everything was running backwards. You'd have thought they'd have been just jumping up and down with anticipation like a kid on Christmas Eve. But instead, they give a gloomy forecast. You know what they say? done brought us out here to just die like this in the desert but mumble mumble grumble grumble mumble grumble <laughs> I identify with them unfortunately in spite of our good fact sheet how often do we give a gloomy forecast as though God had never done one thing for us God, forgive us. How patient God is. You know what their great sin was? They just forgot. They forgot what God had just done for them over the course of the last couple of months. Raining judgment upon the the Egyptians. The ten plagues and sparing them. God had brought them to this good moment. And you'd have thought God had never done one thing for them. Have you ever given a gloomy forecast? Easy to do in these days. I hate to say this, but I've had to put a little distance between myself and some of my dear friends. I had one of them here not long ago. He's talking to him, trying to encourage him a little bit. Yeah, but God's got... I don't want to hear that! We're too far gone. It's all over. I tried to say something else. He bared his teeth at me. He said, It's over! We're done! Do you know, stinking thinking is contagious? Did you hear me? We can spew indigo and gloom and doom. I can't, I can't be around that. And, and as a little aside here, you do what you want to do, but I have had to just turn off the news. Honestly, 
I haven't watched a minute of CNN in the last year. Probably not more than 15 minutes of Fox News, for that matter. Neither one of them are presenting the news from God's point of view. Now, honestly, that's the truth. And I found this, this isn't pulpit language, but it just got my guts in a twist. I just find myself angry. I find myself all upset. I said, no, this is a fine way to live. Here I am in beautiful El Dorado Springs, retired, <laughs> supposed to be having the time of my life, and I'm all in a stir. Angry with them and that's idiots. And the Lord showed me you can pray. You can bring it to me. You can't do a thing about it. And so I had to just shut her down. I can't live this way. Hello? Gloom. A gloomy forecast. A gloomy forecast. Brother, there's enough, to, there's enough to make you feel gloomy. But I want to tell you, God wants us focus on Him. And so, I, uh, I just remind you, however, that the, the gloomy forecast, the stinking thinking, is generally a result of our forgetting, forgetting what God has done. Forgetting what God has done for us, the good fact sheet that we have. And it can, it can, it can be an innocuous thing. You think, well, that's pretty innocent. It really isn't when you think about it. It's kind of like a slap in the face of God. We can't trust you. We're unthankful for what you've done. We've already forgot it. Hello? And it can lead us into some, what I call, glaring fallacies. I don't have time to, to go into all of this, but boy, Israel made some mistakes. I hope we can, I hope we can learn from, vicariously from their mistakes Oh, man, no sooner had they got over on the other side after the crossing. After the crossing. They get on the other side. What are, what are we going to eat? Oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. Pastor Joe, you brought us out here to die. We don't have anything. What are we going to drink? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna die of thirst out here. God begins to give them manna. It tastes like wafers or something. Whatever they wanted to taste like, I think. And God gave them water gushing out of a rock. Amazing! Two million people or so. And they have all the water they need. God is supplying their need. And I know that's okay. But I want some meat. This, 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 this diet we're on, killing me. I want some meat. I want some meat! God says, okay. 
And he gives them quail, stacks of quail. They had it for leftovers, like Thanksgiving turkey, to the point they said, ah, I can't look at another quail. <laughs> oh, man, I'm just teasing you a little bit and tormenting you, but that, that's kind of the way we operate. That's the way we roll. We just, we, and it causes us to do stupid things. It, it caused them to rise up against Moses' leadership on one occasion. It caused Miriam to get all involved in rumor, mongering, and pettiness when, when Moses married a woman that wasn't one of them. I've analyzed this. Why was she so bent out of shape? Well, I think it was because prior to this, it was Abraham... It was, I mean, it was Abraham. It was Moses and his brother, Aaron, and it was Miriam, the three of them. And they had it all kind of to themselves. And now this brand new person is in, thrust into the mix. Well, what right do you have? We had this party running pretty smooth till you made your appearance. Getting too close, this preaching. Oh, man, it brought God's program to a standstill. Mumble, mumble, gossip, gossip, grumble, grumble. I've got, I've not gotten off on the weeds. I'm just telling you, it led to some glaring follies. Goes on to the... Ill report of the ten spies. It goes on to uh, sin in the camp. On and on. We'll not enumerate all of them. But it all stems from this attitude of unbelief and doubting, gloomy thinking. But lest I leave you on that note, let me come to, to the last, and it is the last, their glorious future. Isn't it wonderful that God works through people that have glitches? <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've often said, if God couldn't build his church on people that had flaws, we'd be in a world of hurt. Isn't that right? God used these people who were so, so faulty, but I see myself reflected in them. How patient God is. How good God is. God had a glorious future for them. Are you listening to me? God has a glorious future for you. And so God takes them through the Red Sea. By the way, the Red Sea is the most awesome demonstration of power the world had ever seen, and it stood for centuries as the standard of God's power. Remember the Red Sea until they got to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you didn't hear too much about that anymore. It was the ultimate expression of God's power. But God brought them through, and as I've already mentioned, provided for them, fed them, watered them. <laughs> and I, I kidded the morning crowd. I said, God did something else that would have disappointed my wife. 
he caused that their shoes and their clothes didn't wear out for decades. No use to go to shopping at Down Springfield, honey. Your, your shoes are as good as they were the day you bought them. Don't worry about buying a new dress at Penny's. You don't need it. The one you got is plenty good. Isn't that astonishing? And then this. Some say that it was probably two million people at least that went through the Red Sea. No sanitation. No sanitation. I don't know what they did. Don't let your mind go there. But if that had been modern era, there'd have been outbreaks of cholera, diphtheria. You talk about COVID, honey. That'd look like small potatoes. But none of them got sick. They stayed well. No pandemics. <laughs> no scourges. God was fighting for them. God had a glorious future for them. And they went by way of Mount Moriah. And God gave them the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, which is incidentally the foundation for all Western civilization. The laws that we appreciate and live by and the freedoms that we experience here in the United States all trace their way back to what was given to Moses by God on Mount Moriah. We ought to thank God for it. And then moving forward, promised land. The promised land, walls begin to fall. Enemies are decimated. They move into their own. Jumping on forward in time, the Messiah is born. We just celebrated his birth. And Jesus brings about redemption that enables us to go to heaven. All traces its way back to God's amazing plan, beginning with Abram, and all, oh, it goes even beyond that, to the council chambers of God. What are you saying? God has a glorious future. So here we are at the beginning of 2022, January the 2nd. And I want you to get your heads up I want you to quit groveling about all the things that are wrong. Yeah, but Beckham, we've never seen anything like this before. Ha! You need to read your history, baby. Not long after the founding of our country, there was a prediction that all Christian churches would be closed within 10 years. They couldn't even fund them. They couldn't find pastors for them. Christianity is over. And God brought about the Great Awakening. And other times when there was lulls and, and times when it looked bad, God intervened. Yeah, yeah, I know all that, but... You've never seen anything like these, this looting and this rioting that's going on. We've gone too far. Anybody around right after the Vietnam War? Anybody remember the rioting that was going on then, back in the 60s? <laughs> oh boy, I remember. 
No, some of you don't. Not this crowd. You don't remember. People were rioting and breaking into stores and stealing stuff all over the country, protesting the Vietnam War, and eventually Nixon sent out the National Guard, and he shot a few of them on Kent State campus. Remember that? And all the nation, <laughs> we're on the verge of anarchy. But God intervened. Crowd, quit that stinking, stinking thinking. God has a glorious future. Now, I don't know where we are in the timeline of God, whether He's getting ready us ready for the rapture. If it's so, then look up for your redemption draweth nigh. We have a good fact sheet. Don't you dare give a gloomy forecast because God has a glorious future for all of us. The best is yet to come. And if I read prophecy like I think I understand it, God still has a marvelous plan for Israel. That's the amazing thing. He's not even through with them. He's going to do something amazing. God isn't frustrated. He isn't perplexed. He isn't confused. He's working. He's working. Stand up. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we have a good fact sheet. When I look back over the course of my life, there were times when I wasn't as faithful as I should have been. Oh, yet you were so faithful. When a move to the left would have meant disaster for me, and for my family. You nudge me to go to the right. I look back on those decisions and I shudder. My, weak, my knees get weak when I think how easily I could have missed it. But you were faithful. Other times when I thought it can't get any worse than this. This is the awfulest thing I've ever gone through. God was shaping me, doing marvelous works in my heart that I had no idea of. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We have a good fact sheet. Help us. Help us to be careful not to forget and be, be, be fall into negative thinking. Help us to understand that with all of our blemishes and flaws, God has a glorious future for us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in peace and enjoy a new year. I did want to make an announcement. Thank you, Pastor Richard, for this great truth. But uh, I was asked to make an announcement by my secretary, and I don't want to fail to do that. Better not. Uh, right after. Uh, 
You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.